You're listening to Lead to Soar, bringing women the best career advice and mentorship from around the world. Lead to Soar is a production of a career that soars. Learn more at leadtosoar.com. The Lead to Soar podcast is recorded on the ancestral home of the Ho-Chunk Nation in Madison, Wisconsin, USA, and on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation in Melbourne, Australia. We pay our respects to the traditional custodians of these lands and their elders past and present and welcome any First Nations people listening today, wherever you are. Hey, Michelle, welcome back to Lead to Soar. Very good to be with you again, Mel. We've got a topic today that we're going to mull over. And I want to tell our listeners that we don't have a real set direction here. There's a number of things we want to cover about this. Much like in our politics episode, we helped listeners understand and change their paradigm from politics as a bad thing to politics as human dynamics. We acknowledge in there that politics are literally in every workplace, even in the healthy ones. So, Michelle, you ask women to rethink their relationship with certain words like power and authority. And today we're asking women to rethink their relationship with the word ambition. Give us a little take on that. Well, ambition has surfaced. Well, we've been talking about the word ambition. Sorry, Sienna. We've been talking about the word ambition in the context of our business women's network, a career that soars for some time because one of the aspects of who is our our ideal member who do we who are we in service of is a woman who is ambitious and then on reflection we worked out or we know one of our conversations our our free-ranging conversations we thought we wondered if the fact that we're catering for an ambitious woman might be repelling potential members to a career that soars because there's such a uh, Paul cast over that word, and and would women or might women be saying, "But I don't identify as an ambitious woman because I've been schooled that an ambitious woman is is not a desirable person, is not uh, not someone we seek to be." I want to acknowledge that we're not going to talk at length about the double bind because we all know the Heidi Howard experiment where a real life Heidi uh, was her, her CV and background was then turned into uh, someone called Howard and both CVs were given to a group of university or college students and despite the fact that they were one and the same person, the person with the uh, man's name was just seen as more desirable to work for than the woman called Heidi because she was seen as ambitious and driven and things like that. So we're going to acknowledge that the double bind exists, but we're going to not go down that track. We're going to really explore or pull apart this word and and reframe it for women, including ourselves, because we both had to think about what ambition is for us as well. Michelle, we're diving right in, and I want to go ahead to this excerpt from a Forbes article, Why Ambition Isn't a Dirty Word for Women. That was the title. The author wrote, in a survey of U.S. adults by Pew Research Center, the top three traits or characteristics that society values most in men were, one, honesty or morality, two, 
professionalism or financial success. And three, ambition or leadership. While the top three qualities valued in women were one, physical attractiveness, two, empathy, nurturing, and kindness, and three, intelligence. I think that these results speak to the double bind, but I also think it opens up more nuance in how women are viewed, the expectations that we put on young girls and certainly girls that mature into women. But I I wonder if you might want to comment on that sort of this societal expectation and narrative that's woven into uh, our world and media about women and how women should behave and show up in the workplace. Well, the first thing I'd say listening to, to those top three for two genders is that they are incomplete on both sides. And I'm going to straight away go back to our leadership definition, which is leadership is using the greatness in you to achieve and sustain extraordinary outcomes by engaging the greatness in others. Both of those top three traits do a disservice to those genders by leaving out elements of our leadership definition. Um, and, you know, certainly ambition uh, ambition can be placed fairly and squarely in all three parts of our leadership definition. And I think it's useful to explain why and, and how. More often than not, what we do is we see ambition as part of as part of personal greatness, but as that article says, in relation to men as a desirable trait. And we see it in, in terms like <clears throat> charismatic, confident, um, outgoing, uh, trustworthy. And those confident and charismatic is, are certainly traits that, well, we're still hiring for them. Put it that way. We're not hiring for competence. We still hire for confidence and charis, and charisma. Um, and uh, so, we're not seeing the other elements of where ambition and how ambition plays out uh, being overtly talked about, which means that all genders, and we'll just talk in a binary gender uh, sense now, so from a from a women, girls and women, boys and men, they're being told or given these messages from from the outset, from childhood onwards, about how they must display their ambition or, beg your pardon, take a step back, how they must display their leadership. And it locks those people out from embracing other aspects um, of, of leadership that will make them superb leaders. So that, that that's my first comment about that article. And the second comment is, well, duh, this is the stuff that we see over and over and over again. Women have to be attractive, uh, empathetic and nurturing. And you know what we are. <laughs> the research shows that those are our, that, that those are women's strengths. But they're not at our only strengths. And we will continue to not close the leadership gender gap until all of us examine our mindsets about women, work, leadership, power and ambition. So this is a real opportunity for all of us to step back and say, what do I really think about 
an ambitious woman? What does that actually mean? What is an ambitious woman? And just like the politics discussion we had, Mel, there'll be a tiny, tiny little box that we're putting every, you know, and I'm using the air quotes, listeners, every ambitious woman into, and it will be, well, you and I've both had feedback about that, haven't we? Wait your turn, be patient, don't be so driven, blah, 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 blah. Um, so, you know, we're doing a lot of people a big disservice by buying into those age-old tropes. Absolutely. And this just strikes me as having so many parallels with the the politics episode because I think oftentimes people can get a really narrow view of politics just like they do with ambition. And when you look up what ambition really means. So I just looked at the Google definition of it, right? So ambition means a strong desire to do or to achieve something, typically requiring determination and hard work. Well, I mean, when you think about it, we're all ambitious, right? All of us are for something, for something. And it could be for ourselves, but it could be for others as well. It could encompass another person or our family or society at large. Talk to us a little bit about expanding our our understanding and our mindset around ambition. I would love to because the, the next part that we can talk about is one of the lessons that Susan has taught us from No Ceiling, No Walls around great leaders, um, you've got to be for the business. And what does be for the business mean? It means being ambitious to achieve and sustain extraordinary outcomes for your business. Now, whether that's your employer, whether it's your side hustle, your full-time hustle, your board position, whatever it may be, you actually... Great leaders go beyond a transactional relationship with their employer. They they are ambitious to grow the company, to have it achieve its goals, to have it um, have the impact that it's there to do. So when we think about ambition, I want us to think about that person, those people in the organisation. You might be leading some of them. You might be reporting to to one of them who are really driven to excellence. They're driven to high performance. And I mean high performance in terms of having a great team that's diverse and inclusive and achieves and sustains outcomes. So ambition Again, let's expand our view and say, I am ambitious for my business. I'm ambitious to have, well, I can use my own um, example, Mel. I'm an extraordinarily ambitious woman. Uh, now, absolutely has have been given feedback in my dim, dark past that my ambition was undesirable, that my open, naked ambition was undesirable. Uh, <clears throat> I, I didn't have the tools or the words to counter that those opinions, and I do now. I'm ambitious for whomever happens to be paying my salary because that's my job as a leader. Right now, I'm ambitious for my business to have the impact that I want to have in the world. So my goal, my purpose, to close the global leadership gender gap. That is my ambition. And I am determined. I am tenacious. I am driven in everything that I do, i.e. ambitious 
to do make that happen. So this is where we've got to really think more broadly beyond ambition and think, you know, some of you might be thinking, well, all she wants is a step up the ladder and, and to earn more. Yep. That's fine because she might be ambitious to live a life well lived and have economic security for the remainder of her life. And she's, she's driven to do that. But think about what goes with that. High performing, high performing driven leaders make extraordinary contributions to organizations. I'd rather have an ambitious person on my team than someone who lacked ambition, lacked ambition to improve themselves, lacked ambition to improve the the productivity and the outcomes that our team delivers, lacked ambition to make sure that the company achieves um, and sustains its strategic and financial goals. So this is where outcomes, yeah, ambitious people deliver outcomes, but we've got to look beyond that, that really shallow, banal version of, of ambition. I want to go back to something you said a moment ago, I, I think the words you used were great leaders go beyond a transactional relationship with their employers. Ah, and you know, I'm having a bit of a head explosion right now because we've got this absolute BS going around about quiet quitting, uh, which I just don't want to give any um, oxygen to because I think it's, it's complete and utter bullshit. But great leaders and remember listeners leadership manifests itself at every level in every role in every organization so i don't care where you are on the org chart you are a leader and what great leaders do is go beyond the transactional that means i know what my job is i know my positional purpose i know what it is that i have to do to make sure that the organization is heading in the right direction and I know that because I know that direction. I know what the goals are of the organization and my role in contributing to those goals becoming a reality. And that's, that's a leader at any level. So whether I'm at the start of my career or I'm an individual contributor, whether I'm leading teams or leading teams of teams, uh, or even sitting in the C-suite, I know what my role is in taking the business towards achieving its goals. And that means that I show up. I show up every single day for, well, number one, for the customers, the people and the shareholders of the organisation. And it means that I don't just kind of tick boxes and go home. I'm looking for ways to innovate, do things better, make our customers happier and, of course, deliver value to our shareholders whilst creating a terrific working environment for my colleagues and my teams. So that's going beyond the transactional. I want to bring up something I came across, another study when I was preparing for this episode. They did a survey of a group of men and women, and they kind of tracked them for a period of time. So it was like they surveyed them at the very beginning of their, their career. They revisited them a couple years later. And basically what they asked is, do you aspire to get to management? And at the very beginning, the percentage of women who reported that they aspired to management was higher than men by uh, a pretty significant amount. I don't know, like five or 10%. It was higher. And then when they came back around a couple of years later and asked the same question, the 
percentage of men who said that they aspire to management was still about the same, but the percentage of women who said they aspired to management was half of that number, half of that percentage of men, two years in, just two years into their careers. So, uh, Michelle, you and I know that this is definitely not as simple as something like the, quote, motherhood penalty. It's more complicated than that. Talk to us about what you think contributes to this. What do leaders of organizations who are serious about supporting their female talent pipeline, what do they need to know? Wow, I'm. Uh, that's a that's a compelling stat, and you'd really want to say, "Gee whiz, what's going on in in just two years?" Um, clearly, I'll I'll share my own lived experience and and the experience of the women that I've worked with, the literally thousands of women that I've worked with and talked with. I think, and of course, dear listeners, this is my opinion. Don't at me. <laughs> Um, actually, you can at me. <clears throat> I think that there would have been a number of things going on. Number one, what what's the subtle messaging around when I present my ambition or when I present my drive? What's the subtle messaging that women get versus their male counterparts when they express that ambition openly? And that messaging can be things like, well, you know, you have to be patient and wait your turn and, yep, yep. As, as Dame Stephanie Spence says, you can always tell an ambitious woman she's got a flat head from being patronisingly patted on it throughout her life. Um, so women will have been getting those messages overtly and subtly uh, in, in that period of time about having to wait your turn, earn your stripes, you know, do your time. There's another interesting thing, though, in terms of the desire. When they look at leadership, when they look up at the leadership above them, are they seeing desirable behaviours and traits? And and are they thinking, I don't want to be like that and I just don't know that I want to opt into that? I don't know if that's for me. If that's what leadership is, it's not for me. Again, this is my opinion and I'm, I'm really speculating here. Um, and then there will be just sheer frustration. Wow. So John down the corner, the corner at the corner desk got promoted. Wow. Okay. And then, then Bill got promoted and then, oh, Larry got promoted. Wow. Okay. So it would, would appear that. The evidence is that uh, I'm kind of not in the race. I'm not in the running. So should I just shelve my ambition? And then, you know, I'll, I'll have a nod to will I be able to do all the stuff I need to do in life as well as leadership? And maybe I need to have some trade-offs going on right now and I'm just going to shelve my ambition to climb the career ladder for the time being. So I feel like there's there's a whole bunch of stuff going on there and and some of it will be our own so women's own perception of what leadership is because of the way it's being displayed uh, or portrayed by those more senior to us in the organization. <clears throat> I remember once in one of the organizations that I was 
working in, we had a real problem. We had a fantastic pipeline of next you know, general managers in, in a technology area, but none of the women none of the women were interested. It was a real issue for us until we asked what's going on. They went, Well, you don't want your jobs. You just you've you're always busy, you're on ridiculous phone calls late at night, you're doing sending emails at nine PM. It's just busy and it's hard and you're always rushing around and you always look stressed. Why would I want that? You can't pay me enough for that. So, you know, for some of us as as senior leaders, we need to say, what image are we portraying about leadership to our pipeline? Uh, one that it's desirable and a great job and what have you, or one that this is a hard slog. And interestingly, you know, I go further down and think, I wonder if some of us unconsciously or subconsciously portray that this is a really tough gig so that I don't get the competition. I don't get anyone trying to go after my job. And, you know, that's that's a real, that's a bit of out there speculation. But, you know, our subconscious t- makes still all sorts of interesting things. You're listening to Lead to Soar, a production of A Career That Soars. A Career That Soars, or ACTS, is an organization, a networking platform, and a place for career women to learn and connect. Our founder, Susan Colantuno, envisioned a group that would embrace women from all backgrounds and support one another towards achieving their highest career ambitions. Learn more about what you can get from ACTS by visiting leadtosort.com and clicking the ACTS link. Absolutely. Everyone, every human has some drive in their behavior that is based on uh, their status, right? Either achieving status or maintaining their status. And I, I really heard that in what you were just describing there. But, you know, so for me, that's, if I were, and, and I understand that that's a, um, you know, that that's an external study. But if, if I was a leader of that organisation or, or the sector that that group of women came from, I'd be going, this is a major red flag, a major red flag for us to examine what it is that we're doing to repel women from our talent pipeline. Now, I get it. Not everyone wants the CEO's job in the corner office I get that. In fact, in fact, there's only one in, in all organisations, so it gets a bit scarce up there. But what are we doing to repel the ambition of people who can help us help our organisations achieve and sustain extraordinary outcomes? What might we be doing? You were alluding to this idea around perhaps if these women aren't seeing other women make it up the ranks, they may just kind of lose hope, at least within the organization that they're working for. And I have to say, in let's call it a sector, a sector like engineering, I've definitely seen that where you could look up the ranks and you might see a woman there. It will almost certainly be a white woman, but it's oftentimes the person who leads HR 
or the general counsel. And I think that there's been a, a real gap in seeing women with STEM backgrounds make it to the senior and executive ranks of of these businesses. Yeah. And, you know, I, I had a conversation this week. It's only Tuesday here in, in Australia, but this week about... The same, the same white women getting all the jobs here in Australia, and, and I'm absolutely not going to name names. We see there's a group of white women who are very powerful, and they are on multiple boards, on multiple government advisory committees. They are, they are the chairs and the presidents of of fairly big movements, and they are fantastic women but they are overused and overexposed. And there will be many women who will be going, I don't look like that affluent, educated white woman who's in charge of everything that you can name, and I can never be her, so I'm just going to give up. Why would I continue on? So, you know, the, for, for, for those of us who make it, to the top, whatever the top is, you you determine what the top is. But at some point, you got to go. I got to stand aside. I got to stand aside and and let some other people come through. And because we're actually we're really tamping down that ambition of women that don't well that don't look like me, middle aged, educated, white, um, and they've got. You know, I really want to call out to, to those women, I salute you and I thank you for trailblazing. But when is enough enough? When can you say thank you very much for the offer to chair this board, be on this board, be on this committee, whatever. But how about I'd, I'd really like to introduce you to a young woman called Mel Butcher who's an expert in blah, blah, blah. Or um, uh, uh, this young uh African-American woman uh, who is an expert in blah, 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 blah. Or, you know, so I, I wonder, you know, this is not just a call out to our male allies and the male leaders out there. How much space are you taking up and is that thwarting the ambition of women who come after you that don't look like you and haven't had your advantages? So there's that's another lens we can put on it, Mel. Absolutely. I want to bring it back around to our listeners some now, the individual women that listen to this podcast, and maybe we're getting into their head a little bit now and helping them embrace the fact that they do have ambition and it's not a dirty word for them. What else do you want to explore for them Today, as we've been talking, uh, I've been considering this this part of of our conversation, and I keep coming back to a really l- lovely, lovely man that I used to work with. And Steve lost his mum a few years ago, and I remember one of the nicest things that he he said because I said, oh, "I'm really sorry about your mum." He said, "You know, Michelle, she." It's, it's, I'm so sad that she's gone, but she, gee, she lived a life well lived. And it really stuck with me. So my question in and my answer is a question. What constitutes a life well lived for you? And that's your ambition. So we've, you know, I've talked about my ambition. Now I have a fairly 
big, hairy, audacious goal to close the global leadership gender gap. And but but that's not everyone's goal. It's it's some people's. It's not everyone's. So my friend Steve, his mum lived a life well lived, and she was very deliberate and intentional about having lots of experiences and travelling and and doing all sorts of things. So she was ambitious for herself to have a very full and fulfilling life. Clearly, at some point, she'd done the work to say, "What do I want out of life now?" I think as you start to experience feeling mortal as you get a bit older, perhaps some of those things become more sharply etched in your intentions list, you know, shivers, I better get on with it because how much time have I got left? But for women of all ages and all stages, what constitutes your life well lived? What are you ambitious about for your life? It might be I know with my mother, um, she was a working woman from when I was a teenager onwards. But her her goal is to create a family hub. She wanted a family hub. She's at her, and I've talked about her before. She's at her absolute happiest when she's got all eight of her grandchildren around her, creating chaos in her home. But her home is her central hub for our entire family, and she's at her happiest when that home is in chaos. My dad, not so much, but mum so that's for her that was her ambition to create that hub where her family could be um for others it may be i i want to make sure that i can give my my children or the people i care for an education or you know frankly in our case um uh, we now want to make sure that our our parents are looked after in their old age i'm ambitious to make sure i can care for those that i love in a way that i want to do and i think so from there mel this ambition then starts to take shape you go well okay i have an ambition to insert whatever it is here now what do i need to do to enable that Now, if I want to, for example, if I want to make sure that um, my children have a really great education and they don't have they don't have college debt, they don't have you know um, student loans. Okay, so I've got that ambition. So I am now I have started a college fund and I'm contributing to it, and I'm going to make sure I can pay for their college outright. And that means that I'm going to do all sorts of things, such as make sure I've got a really good job, that I contribute really well, that I progress my career so I can earn more, so that I can meet my ambition. And that, so so I think there's there's some real, it, it's a lot more. It's a you see that it starts. This is such a nuanced conversation because ambitions not. You know, the, the outcome or the enabler is climb the career ladder, earn more money. But what is that enabling? It's enabling you to meet your ambition. The ambition's not just that, because if it's just that, then we're taught having that conversation, power for power's sake, authority for authority's sake, not the fact that it becomes a vehicle to do stuff. I... You know, I have an an amazing woman in my network who I really admire and see as one of my role models, particularly in sport and philanthropy. Her name's Susan Alberti, and she is in her 70s. She works really hard to make sure that women in sport are enabled and that she contributes to her philanthropic foundation, which is to solve the puzzle for juvenile diabetes. Why? 
because her, her daughter, her only daughter died of juvenile diabetes and she's heavily involved in our our Australian game, Australian rules football, and wants women to have a chance because she didn't have a chance to play when she was a girl. So she's got these ambitions and she's got a successful business, but she gives so much to each of those um, each of those areas. She's highly ambitious for both of those. And that is a really, really good thing. So this is where I really want us to work back what ambitions the output or the enabler is climbing the career ladder and earning more. But what's that going to enable you to do? I love that take on it so much. It's okay to want to move up the ladder. And it's also okay if moving up the career ladder is what's going to enable you to achieve other ambitions in your life that have to do with personal goals, family goals, etc. Absolutely. And but and there's also an extraordinarily rich sense of fulfillment when you are for the business, when you are a leader who truly gets that you're here to help this business grow. Um, and, you know, I, I can proudly say that I need to be, a, you know, a little bit or a lot in love with the business that I'm working for, that I'm drawing wages from. I'm even the same with, with my clients now. I, I kind of, you know, I, I don't have an enormous amount of clients, but those that I do, I really got to love and I really got to care about their business and help contribute to them. And that's what leadership is. I'm not saying I'm perfect and I get it right all the time, but you know, I, I'm not. I, I'm I'm not some kind of gun for hire. I, I can't just go in anywhere and do anything. In fact, I, I can. I won't go in and do anything anywhere because I want to care about the brands and the businesses that I work with to help them achieve their outcomes, and that's my ambition. Um, and you know, I think this this all gets back to really again. Look in the mirror. What do you really want? What do you really want? Be ambitious about it, and then work out what's going to enable it. And that for me, that's the far more nuanced, uh, with a broader worldview conversation about ambition that needs to be had instead of this. The tired old tropes about the ambitious, power-hungry woman. It's just bullshit. Michelle, this has been a really wonderful exploration. And I want to get to some action items, if you will. Speaking to leaders of organizations, what do you want them to do for ambitious women? How do you want to see leaders support ambitious women? Number one, I want them to examine their own mindsets, and we all have them, about women, work, leadership. I want them to think about how do I feel about women in leadership. Really examine those mindsets that you hold. and we all, As I said, we all have them. And then I want you to think about reframing what ambition, what the possibilities are of having a group of talented people uh, Credible, ambitious women in your in your talent pipeline. What that what the possibilities are for your organisation? They are immense. So I think there's a real reframe. Re, re, check your own mindsets and then reframe the way you're thinking about and encouraging ambitious women in your organisation. I want you to be overt. 
want you to talk to your teams. Hey, I heard this podcast about ambition. Let's talk about what ambition is. What are we ambitious for as a team? What are we ambitious for as, a, as an organization? And then each of you, the next time we have our, our one-on-one, our coaching session, let's talk about your ambitions and what I can do to add rocket fuel to your ambition. That's, that's the call to action for leaders. And let's turn to our, our listeners now, our individual women. What is your call to action for them? Pick up the mirror. Who am I? What do I stand for? What do I want? What constitutes a life well lived for me? Stop, breathe, reflect. So get off the hamster wheel for an hour a day, whatever you want, and say, what will constitute a life well lived? And you might not have the whole life plan mapped out. God forbid I didn't. But in the, in this next period of time, what's going to constitute a life well lived for me? And then how do I get really ambitious about it, achieving that? You might want to do our life audit uh, worksheet because that, that get, that'll give you some framework about perhaps some four things you might want to focus on, some behaviours and things like that that you might want to do or you might want to audit your career, whatever you want. We've got lots of tools anyway, but stop, breathe and reflect. Ask yourself this question, what constitutes a life well lived for me? And when you arrive on what that looks like, then what is going to enable that and how do I really be ambitious for what I want to be in the world? What constitutes a life well lived for me and how do I want to be ambitious in the world? So powerful. I'd like to share a quote, uh, kind of a closing quote here. And this is from a woman named Shonda Rhimes. You may have heard of her. She's won a lot of awards. She is an acclaimed screenwriter, producer, and author. I just watched Inventing Anna that, that, that she, that she did. It's fantastic. Oh, really? yeah. <laughs> okay. So this quote is from her. Shonda said, there's nothing wrong with being driven and there's nothing wrong with putting yourself first to reach your goals. So I would just ask you, dear listener, to take that in as you're reflecting on the questions from Michelle. There's nothing wrong with being driven and there's nothing wrong with putting yourself first to reach your goals. Amen. And that's that's far better advice than put your own oxygen mask on first because I think that's a bit <laughs> overdone. <laughs> Very good. Wonderful. Okay. Thank you so much, Michelle, for these thoughts on ambition. And listeners, we look forward to hearing from you about your new reflection on ambition and how you're embracing it. Thanks for listening to Lead to Soar. This has been another episode of Lead to Soar, a production of a career that soars. You can reach Michelle Redfern at michelleredfern.com and Mel Butcher at melbutcher.com. Join us inside A Career That Soars at acareerthatsoars.com.